Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. This morning we are resuming our study in the Gospel according to Matthew, and we're ready for chapters 3 and 4 this morning. Chapter 3 deals with John the Baptist and his mission of preparing the way for the Lord. And then uh, we get to chapter 4, which deals with uh, Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Uh, he calls his, his ministry then begins, and he calls his first disciples. And uh, that's what's on the agenda for this morning. They're not super long, so it won't take us uh, very long to get through today. Uh, but they're still, it's still quite meaty meaning there's still a lot here to chew on and to ponder on and, and to think on. A lot of prophecy also, uh, as we be, as we talked uh, when we did chapters 1 and 2, Matthew, he's really trying to get through to that Jewish audience, and he is referencing prophecy in every chapter, just going back, going back. Here's what it said. Here's what it said. Remember what the prophet Isaiah said. This is how it was fulfilled. And so those things are important to pay attention to, and uh, we'll try to cite those uh, as often as possible. All right, without further delay, let's have a look. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapters 3 and 4. Now, in those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet, when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So please note, John the Baptist He's coming, he's preparing the way. He's saying this is what was prophesied by Isaiah. And he's likely referring to Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3, which says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Verse 4, Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, as they confessed their sins. Please note, what's the call of action here? Because it's not just believe, right? There's a call of action here. Repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he's baptizing them. And what are they doing? So they're repenting. They're confessing sin. <laughs> These are not things that are taught today. You're not going to hear in many churches those words. Confession. Repentance. But that's what's being called here. 
by John the Baptist. Verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So please note again, John the Baptist is bold. Here is the religious leaders coming, some of them to come get baptized even. And he says, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? What wrath is he talking about? This is important because people read this and they think that all of a sudden we're talking about 2,000 years later, the end of days. He's talking to them specifically about the wrath that's coming upon them and their generation, which happened in 70 AD. We've been over this a lot because of the confusion that there seems to be around modern-day Bible prophecy. He's specifically dealing with them and their, and the judgment that's going to come upon them. He even tells them that the axe is already laid at the root. And if you don't bear good fruit... Anything that doesn't bear good fruit is thrown into the fire. Now the Pharisees were considered, in fact, Pharisee means set-apart ones. They had, they had a real rigid adherence to, this, to the law. The issue, and you see the issue when Jesus interacts with them, is that they would use human tradition and oral Torah as that, and in that they would allow that to trump the scriptures, making them hypocrites. And of course, there's evidence that they took advantage of people, and then we see what they do when, <laughs> where Jesus is concerned. And then the Sadducees, they were more known for their kind of denial of supernatural things, like they denied the resurrection of the dead. As an, as an example, the existence of angels as an example. Continuing on. As for me, verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. Then, Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, 
the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God ascending as a dove and lightning on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Chapter 4 Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Please note, this is important. In the past, I've read it or maybe glossed over it a little bit. What it says is that Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It's important to note that the devil didn't lead Jesus up. We often think of this and we're like, oh, the devil's taking Jesus to all these places and he's doing... Jesus is going into the wilderness for the purpose of this test, and this test is, he's being led into this test by the Holy Spirit, not just the Spirit. All your English translations, like the King James and the NSAB, which I'm reading from right now, they, they, they say the Spirit. Right now, I've got pulled up in front of me, and you can look these up yourself, if you so desire, a Hebrew manuscript of the book of Matthew. Now, I'm not going to get into that whole thing because it's two hours worth of discussion to talk about the Hebrew manuscripts, how many of they are, which ones are actually worth looking at. Some of them aren't. Some of them are clearly written for the purpose of discredit. Um, there's a whole thing there. You know, people want to argue over whether or not the book of Matthew was originally written in Hebrew or written in Greek and Someday, if you want me to tell you what the manuscript evidence actually is, I'd be happy to do that. But I don't have time for that this morning. I just want to point that out briefly. So I'm looking at a Hebrew manuscript right now. And when I say looking at a Hebrew manuscript, I don't mean an English translation. I mean the Hebrew manuscript. And as I'm searching through here to see, what does it say? What was Jesus led by? It says, Baruach HaKodesh. So of the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit leading Jesus up into the wilderness for this purpose to be tempted. And if you look at uh, the, uh, again, the Hebrew translation, it doesn't say by the devil. It, says, it actually says by Satan. So it's by Satan he's being tempted. But he's led into this by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit, for the purpose of this testing. doesn't seem like it's a big deal or anything to take note of, but I believe it is. Because it's important when you're thinking about God's sovereignty and purpose in our lives. Sometimes he's leading us into these things for the purpose of being tested and being tried. Let's continue on. Let's just start with verse 1 again. Then Jesus was led up by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, 
but in every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So please note, these are things that we've, you've probably had pointed out to you many, many times. Jesus is not just being tempted by the devil. He's being tempted by the devil after he's been fasting for 40 days. I don't know about you, but after about 24 hours, I get a little cranky and a little easily, uh, easy, much easier to be tempted. And to, 40 days. So this is no uh, small thing. And then, of course, he quotes Deuteronomy. And that's how he resists the devil, which is also extremely important to take note of. How does he resist? Because he's got the word of God deep in his heart. But Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but from every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Continuing on, then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. He said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Please note, this is not something we think about, but Satan will also use scripture, and he knows scripture. Look how he just quotes it to Jesus. He's been around for a very, very long time. He's had thousands of years to hone in this craft. He knows the Bible better than you. Sometimes the enemy will try to use scripture out of context in order to lead us astray. But Jesus answered him and said, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, verse 8, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the world and their glory. He said to them, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall not worship. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and began to minister to him. After this temptation, as we'll see, so the angels come and they minister to him, and now he's going to begin his ministry. Something that I was thinking about is he didn't begin his ministry until he went and was tested and went through a very difficult situation after he passed the test. Then his ministry began. As I was reading through this and studying it and thinking about it, one of the things that came to my mind is I thought, 
I wonder how many times God has wanted to do more with my life or more with the ministry work that I'm doing, but then when the test comes to prepare me for that thing, I fail it. I wonder how many times that's happened. Didn't recognize it. Thought it was just bad luck. Or, well, here we go again. Once again, things aren't going my way. I guess it's just not meant to be. Blah, yada, yada, yada. Complain, complain, murmur, murmur. I bring that up because I wonder if it's true for some of you. We look at it like, oh, here's this uh, once again. Right? We have that terrible attitude. What can go wrong will go wrong. Right? By the way, if you haven't listened to the study that we did this year through the book of Job, wrestling with that difficult question, why do the godly suffer? You need to go listen to it. You might just find it to be life-changing. Especially where your attitude is concerned about why things happen, why they, things go the way they go. In this instance, Jesus was being tested as part of his preparation for what he was going to have to do. Let's continue on, verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody... He withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and he settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land in the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Please note, for those who would say, Well, John the Baptist was still an Old Testament prophet, you know, and then everything changed when Jesus came along. Jesus is preaching the same message. What is Jesus' message? He starts his ministry. What is his message? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn away. Change direction. Verse 18. Now, as Jesus was walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria. 
And they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases, pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralegics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea, Judea from beyond the Jordan. And that, my friends, is where our study ends. Don't overlook the amazing significance here of the calling of these disciples. Notice they just, he calls them and what do they do? Uh, I'm leaving my job. I quit my job right now. (laughs) Bye, dad. It says they left their father. We're following the rabbi. I mean, just immediately. That's just, it's hard to fathom. We think that we would do the same thing, but what if Jesus walked by your office today and he's just like, let's go. (laughs) But you don't really know much about him yet. You don't know he's the Messiah yet. You're just going to be like, well, there's the, there's a, there's the rabbi. I'm going to follow him. I'm, I'm leaving work right now. There's a song that I've always adored from Alan Horvath. Maybe some of you remember. Um, if I can find it, I'll add it to the end of this podcast. That just really paints that picture beautifully. Well, that is our study this morning. I hope that I'm doing justice to these scriptures, and I hope that it's piercing your hearts and giving you hunger for hunger and a thirst for righteousness, for holiness, for the kingdom of God. Thanks for listening, my friends. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless. Son of man is. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But I pose the question today now who do you say he is? The sun Blazing down on another working day The strangest voice rang out As I cast my net on the lake He was saying Come and follow me I'll make you a fisher of men He spoke with such authority I just left my nets and ran Who is this man amongst us? 
I looked in his eyes and I saw the living God. Ooh, yeah. And I just know he's gonna ask me to confess what I believe about him. And what will I say when the time is here? But it's here. Yes, it's here. Oh, oh it's time. Say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But I pose the question today now who do you say he is? Oh, I really want to say. Let it lie, but the question still remains. 